0: on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1190 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Thursday evening to break down what became a very, very nice win for the Atlanta Hawks. 130 to 124 at home over the Chicago Bulls in a game that was very entertaining, a back and forth contest. And there was some heroics late from Trey Young in particular. And also a hat tip to to Badanovich, who had a huge shot down the stretch as well for the Hawks. But Trey individually sort of avenges one of his worst games of the season last week in Chicago. And then also the Hawks avoid a season sweep at the hands of the Bulls. They had lost the first three games against Chicago this season. And they had trailed for the majority of the first two and a half quarters. It was a back and forth, back and forth kind of game. Two big runs by both teams in the second half. But at the end of this one, it was very tight into the final minutes. And then the Hawks just made more plays down the stretch. And they got the win as a result. With this victory, the Hawks are now 30 and 32 in the season. We'll come back to that. Later on in the podcast. But thank you as always for joining us on the show. If you are watching on YouTube, welcome. If you're not watching on YouTube, I would definitely invite you, even if you don't watch us all the time on that platform, it helps me and it helps the podcast greatly to subscribe to the show on the YouTube page. Even if you're not going to watch the show, honestly, it really does help. I'm not a huge video consumer podcast, I have to say, but I'm told by the higher ups that is very, very important. And if you are noticing this, if you're watching this now, I got a camera, so the quality is a little bit better at this point in time. still not the best in the world, but I'll do what I can. And at the end of the day, the audio comes first. But we will talk about all kinds of stuff on the, on the podcast. But thank you for listening. As always, thank you for subscribing to the podcast. And we'll dive into the show now. So pregame-wise, as I mentioned, a, I mentioned a second ago, the Hawks were definitely struggling against the Bulls this year. Worth pointing out that two of the three losses to Chicago came in December, and they were kind of fueled by replacement players for the Hawks during the COVID uh, absences, that whole stretch of time when the Hawks were just battered by injuries and absences. But still, trying to avoid the sweep there. Nate McMillan acknowledged it after the game. That was something that he at least talked to the team about, not being swept by the Bulls, and uh, they obviously were able to avoid that in this game. Injury-wise, there was a lot going on in this one. Trey Young was questionable, and actually, at least according to McMillan and himself, after, after the game – Within the final hour before tip-off, there was some question about whether Trey was going to play. He acknowledged that he was still having some pain in the ankle. So that's something that's not going to just go away on its own right now. But obviously, he was fantastic in the second half of this game and really the entire way. But he was definitely not a lock to play in this spot. Elsewhere, John Collins missed this game with his right foot strain. He was doubtful and then ruled out in the morning on Thursday. His seventh consecutive absence we'll see on Friday. But it would kind of surprise me if he played in that one as well. Maybe he's getting close. He was on the bench for this one but was not available, not active. And then a Wu missed the game with uh, – actually he had to enter the concussion protocol on Wednesday. And he, of course, left, left the game on Tuesday in the first half and was run out at halftime with a concussion. So uh, people were asking me what the process is there. He has to sort of test out of the protocol, so I can't really give you a timeline. The Hawks wouldn't give that to you either way. But I'll be surprised if he plays on Friday. We'll see after that. But um, obviously a weakness behind him behind Capella, they had a Gorgie James game. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, there was a return to L- by Lou Williams in this game. He came back after missing the last two with left hip discomfort. He played his normal backup point guard role in this spot, and they actually, uh, they, before the game, recalled Sheree Cooper back to Atlanta. But once Lou was going to play, even if he didn't play, um, you know the nightly uh, roundup of people that want to see Sharif and Jalen Johnson, I totally understand that. But right now, no indication those guys are going to be too close to playing, barring injuries ahead of them. On the bull side, they were missing three guys that have been out for a while, but still noteworthy to mention them Lonzo Ball, Alex Grusso, and Patrick Williams, three of their best defenders. That's probably worth noting because Chicago's defense was very bad at times in this game. But I'll say this this is a very weird betting game. So, bet on lines is sponsored this podcast, and um, they listed the the lines in this one in the morning with Trey listed as questionable, Collins as doubtful, Congo was out, et cetera. The Hawks were four and a half point underdogs at home in which I mentioned this on Twitter. I was basically saying, look, if Trey doesn't play, that number might even be bigger than four and a half. But if he does, there's no way the Hawks will be four and a half point underdogs at home with Trey on the play. And that was the case. So once Trey was ruled in, even with Collins out, the Hawks actually were favored at tip So a five and a half point move in favor of Atlanta. And I think basically it seemed like whoever set the line originally um, had the Hawks basically projected to have Trey not play, because otherwise I don't know how they'd be that big of an underdog. Regardless, the Hawks were small favorites by tip-off, and then ended up winning this game in, of course, a memorable fashion. So as for the game itself, the Hawks did kind of start a little bit slowly. They had a shotgun violation on the first possession of the game. They were down 7-2, to two, but from there, the offense was basically lights out the entire way. Um, they had 18 points on the first 12 possessions of the game offensively. Good stuff from Herter and Hunter um, early on being aggressive. A nice bounce-back game from Hunter in this spot, which was uh, very, very good to see. Um, Capella making an impact as a role man. He was very good in this game. Trey had five assists in the first six minutes, but the defense was definitely not its best, particularly early on in this contest. The Bulls were scoring at will throughout this one, and the Hawks were down by six points, even though they were really scoring very effectively. Um, Kind of ironically, Capella led led the entire game in scoring in a game that featured Trey Young, and DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. It was Capella finishing around the rim early on that was leading the way there. But rotationally, it was kind of what you expect for the Hawks. A nine-man group with the ninth guy being Gorgi Jang. It was Bogdanovich. It was Delon Wright. It was, um, of course, you know, and, and Jang off the bench. And then you get into Lou as the ninth, uh, sort of the last guy to come in, but certainly the eighth man in terms of the overall roles. I was kind of surprised by this, but... On Tuesday, it seemed like they kind of intentionally did not play Gorgi Jang and Didel Gallinari together after congo left the game, and I agree with that. I, I think defensively, it's almost untenable to play Jang and Gallinari together. Jang's not a terrible defender, but he's not the most fleet of foot guy in the world, he's, and he's not Capella. By any means, as an anchor, and then you have such, such sort of a lack of foot speed, athleticism on the perimeter, etc. cetera. It worked a little bit on offense with those two guys. They do uh, complement each other well, they have some nice passing chops. But without Capella on the floor, there was just no roll threat. So there was a lot of spacing, a lot of pick-and-pop stuff from the two bigs. And Trey played the entire first quarter, actually, for Atlanta. They were going to put Lou in at the end of the quarter, and then they pulled him back when the Hawks got a uh, got a stop, and then uh, they had the ball on offense at the very end. So they left Trey in there, which is probably the right thing to do. But the Hawks were down by nine late in the first and down six at the end of the first period. Despite scoring at a high level, and Chicago made seven threes in the first quarter of this game. That was half of their output for the entire game. And honestly, they got a lot of good looks. I'll be the first to tell you that they shot over their head. They were 7, seven of 11 from three in the first quarter and actually 50-plus percent from the entire game. But um, that's not going to be sustainable. But I have to note that the Bulls got a lot of open shots, and they don't take a lot of threes overall. In fact, they're dead last in the league in attempts from at three point range, but they made a lot of them in this game, which kind of made life hard on the Hawks in the first half. Elsewhere, though, in the second quarter, they went to this bench lineup, and Jay actually had a really good stretch on offense. He had a couple of nice passes to cutters for layups, hit two threes in the first six minutes that he played in the second quarter. So a good stretch from him. Um, a sort, of, sort of some bonus gravy, I would say, offensively for Atlanta. The Hawks cut it to two at one point, but they trailed the entire uh, second quarter, basically. They brought Trey and Capella back together, which I like kind of pairing those guys together, because Trey's really the only guy – um, that can unlock Capella's role skills of the guys who are available. Lou is more of a pick-and-pop kind of plotter, whereas Trey gets downhill. Uh, and Capella also is the only guy right now with Collins and Okongwu unavailable that can actually dive to the rim. So having those guys play together and complement each other made a lot of sense. They, they did that in both halves, which I was uh, sort of encouraged by. Um, they closed the half in the entire game later on small with Bogie instead of Gallo. Not, not a huge surprise there. They play Hunter a lot at the four. In this one, they were down between like two and seven points the entire end of the second quarter of like the last eight minutes, kind of back and forth stuff. The Hawks were down by seven at the half. The offense did kind of stagnate a little bit late in the first half after being awesome. And even this is sort of a nitpick in some ways. But Trey got a little bit ISO heavy, I thought, late in the first half, and the results were a little bit middling, but still down seven, despite the defense being as bad as it was, is a credit to the offense. The process wasn't like incredible in the first half. They still scored about 119 points per hundred possessions. That's obviously very good. That's a line 12 for 12. Um, One turnover in the first half, which is a huge factor to sort of, um, I would say counteract the lack of burst around the rim that the Hawks had at times. Trey 16 in the first half, and every rotation guy except for Lou Williams had five points or more at halftime. But defensively, the Hawks were allowing a ton of points to the Bulls, a 134 offensive rating by, by Chicago in that first half. They shot it great, even though they had great looks. That was uh, unfortunate. And also, when Capella sat, the Hawks had a lot of trouble defending the glass, which is not a new phenomenon, but worth pointing out anyway. Alas, the second half was very eventful. We'll get into all the big runs back and forth, and, of course, the heroics late in the game. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Football is not happening for a while, but... Basketball is running at full steam, both pro and college hoops. And with all the latest odds, totals, player props, futures, exotics, and much more, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Beyond that, BetOnline remains the best spot for all the sports scores, the podcasts, and the news that you need this season. And, of course, it's not just basketball. BetOnline has a full slate of offerings. BetOnline really has the source for hockey and boxing and UFC, auto racing, golf, tennis, soccer, baseball, entertainment bets, horse racing odds, and every prop that you can possibly think of. Head to Online right now. Use mobile device right now to learn more about all the trends in the action today at BetOnline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, in the second half, not great early on. They were actually down by 10 early in the third quarter, but then they had their first run and really their, their biggest extended run of the entire game. It was a 16-4 to 4 push by the Hawks to go from down 10 to up by 2. A nice drive by DeAndre Hunter for a good, decisive sort of uh, dunk on the baseline. And they got the line after that. Herter and Trey hit threes, and the Hawks took their first lead. It was 18-17 to 17 in the first quarter. They had some mojo going at that, at that stage. Trey had a nice behind-the-back pass to Herter for a layup of transition. Um, Herter got a very funny shooter's bounce on a corner three, which like kind of hit the rim, went up way high, and then fell in. Kind of uh, one of those moments where you think it's your night when that, when that, shot, when that shot drops. And then Gallimay made a three as well to force Chicago into a timeout. And overall, it was a 30-10 to 10 run by Atlanta to go from down 10 to up 10 in like seven minutes. Like, it's pretty fast. All that happened. The Hawks were very hot to start the second half from the floor and uh, hit four threes in that, in that stretch. But then almost on cue, the Bulls answered with a 12-0 run of their own to take the lead again. And from that stage, it was back-to-back Sorry, back and forth. Really, the entire game from that point, but it was kind of wild to see that that, that swing from back and forth um, early in that third quarter. They did sort of stabilize things late in the first, uh, sorry, late in the third quarter, and they won the quarter by five. But it was a roller coaster for sure. The Bull shot 66 percent from the floor. The Hawks forced five turnovers. The Hawks did score very well in that period, and the Hawks had about a 127 offensive rating at the end of the third quarter. Um, early in the fourth, it was not fantastic. Lou had a bad turnover that led to a quick three and a timeout by McMillan. And then Hunter had a bad turnover as well, and the Bulls pulled ahead. Their biggest lead of the second half, at least out of, outside of the first minute of the second half, uh, was an 11-4 run early in the fourth. It was actually a 27-8 overall run when you go back to that 12-0 run that Chicago had. And the Hawks were down by nine early in the fourth. They ended up closing, um, the Hawks did, with a small group, as, as mentioned before, with Bogey. That worked out very well. Trey got going. That was the biggest reason why the Hawks were able to turn this game around. He had seven points and an assist to Capella within about two minutes to go from down nine to down by two. That was the first sort of salvo from him. And then Bogey hit two threes that were huge. One of them gave the Hawks the lead um, uh, immediately with about five and a half minutes to go. That was a big shot. The Bulls did answer from there, but Trey had a pull up three to tie it. I would call that as a superstar shot. And there are a bunch of those in this game from Trey um, back and forth from there for a little while. Um, but the Hawks were tied with three minutes to go. DeRozan misses a jumper. Uh, that was kind of a rare occurrence from him. He's usually been just ridiculous in these late like, situations this year. And then uh, Hunter and Bill gets to the line. He, a, he actually had a good night at the office, but he missed both free throws. That was a bad moment from him. But the Hawks left off his rebound, kick it out to Bogdanovich, who has a good, a good look at a three and misses it. And actually, on that possession earlier, Capella tried to save, and actually did sky up to save a pass from Trey that was way too high. I kind of can't believe that he caught it, but ended up not mattering because it was an empty possession. But they forced DeRozan to another miss, but Lucevic tips it in. So the Hawks are down by two with two to go. But then Trey takes over from there along with Bogdanovich. So Trey gets in the middle on the first possession there, down by two. The Bulls collapse on him because he's so good. He he finds Bogdanovich in the corner, open shot, buries it for the lead. Then DeRozan travels. So again, DeRozan, who's been ridiculous this year, has two misses in a row and then a traveling violation. And then Trey hits another three with about one twelve to go. And the Hawks go from down two to up four in less than a minute. With about one twelve to go, Hawks up by four. Timeout by the Bulls. They come out of that. Kobe White gets a good look in the corner. Not a great look, but a good look. Uh, It was actually a great closeout by Herter, who I thought was very good defensively in this game, kind of flying around doing all the little things that you would ask him to do defensively. And then White hit the side of the backboard on a pretty good look in the left corner. Uh, that led to the knockout blow of the night for me. Trey hits a step back three on the right side. Uh, not over when that ball goes through the rim, but in my mind, it was over. Like that was when that shot fell, the Hawks are up by seven. It's a 9 run in an instant. And uh, Trey just makes huge shot after huge shot. So in the end, the last like six minutes, Trey hits three threes. Bogey hits two threes. And those, you know, that, that accounts for 15 points in six minutes. That kind of speaks for itself. And uh, yeah, that kind of explains all what transpired. But from there, it wasn't like over, but the Bulls never really made a run. And uh, the Hawks escape with the victory. Um, one note here, the Hawks scored 74 points in the second half of this game, including 40 in the fourth quarter. That is the season high for both for points in a second half and in a fourth quarter for the Hawks this year. So it took a lot for the Hawks to win the game. Season highs in fourth quarter scoring and second half scoring against a good team Notable, but they did it, and they pulled out the win. It was 74-61 in the second half. A lot, a lot of defense played the entire game. Um, it is worth pointing out, and I try not to focus on this a lot on this podcast, the Bulls are bad defensively with their current personnel. They're 25th in the league in defense since January 1st, and without Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, they have been really bad all year long. So there's a little bit of a small asterisk there, but the Hawks still just lit them up. Trey was fantastic. We'll come back to that in a second. But the Hawks offensively, a 135 offensive rating in this game that is uber elite by any description they shot 52 from the floor that's obviously excellent They took 43 point attempts i love to see that people that listen to this podcast for a long time will know that i think the hawks don't take enough threes in general for their personnel but they were 18 of 40 that's 45 percent um trey took nine bogey took 10 uh four plus from gallinari hunter herder and jang they were bombing away and that was effective in this game also they got to the line for 24 of 28. And the big thing there, not only was that if that boosts your efficiency, that's above average mark for the Hawks, both in uh, percentage and attempts, they also held the Bulls to seven attempts at the line. So the Hawks were 21, 21 more free throw attempts than the Bulls did. That is a huge, huge X factor, and that's very, very effective stuff from Atlanta. Beyond that, six turnovers in the game. Only one in the first half, five in the second half. That's a huge advantage as well. 26 assists is above average for them as well. So great ratios, great shooting. All the numbers are fantastic. Only okay on the offensive glass if you want to find one little small thing. But even then, that wasn't too bad. And they just took advantage of the Bulls the entire game, shot-making-wise. There was the star, the start stuff from Trey. But Bogey has been the number two option for a while. He was very good in this game. Herder was good. Hunter had some good moments. Capella finished around the rim. Just a balanced effort. Obviously, Trey at the top of it. But the Hawks, even with a slow... By the way, the Hawks put a slow pace in this game in terms of possessions, and they tore 130 points. That combination does not usually happen, but it happened in this spot. Defensively, not quite as great, obviously. They they give up about a 128 defensive rating in this one. That's more than you would want. The Bulls are very good on offense. They're top five in the league. They have a bunch of shot-making in the mid-range in particular, and they made their threes in this game. The Hawks did, I think, allow them way too many open shots, particularly corner threes. There were some breakdowns defensively. I thought it was better in the second half, and that even with the numbers that you know they were still sky high in points allowed, but I thought the Hawks did sort of shore things up. And down the stretch, you know, DeRozan had some uncharacteristic misses and turnovers, but the Hawks were in his face. They were contesting. They didn't have any like high-profile breakdowns in the final minutes, which is huge. Um, they rebounded they well um, in the second half um, with and- with and without Capella, which is good to see. And they didn't let DeRozan just kind of put them away. And I mentioned it before, but again, I want to emphasize this. They held the Bulls to seven free throw attempts. And one of the Hawks, you know, the Hawks are bad defensively this year. That's not a secret by any means, but the two things that the Hawks are, are pretty good at, at least solidly good at on defense this year, are rebounding. They're like at least slightly above average and they're best at free throw prevention, I should say. And that was uh, the number one key to defense in this game. Not that it was great, but it was enough. Seven attempts and a 414 turnovers. And when So when you win the turnover battle by eight, and free throw battle by 21. That is uh, winning on the margins, as they say. And that was effective in this game. So overall, we'll come back to this in a second with the uh, player evaluations. But truly an inspired offensive effort. Even when you adjust for the bad opponent defense by the Bulls, the Hawks were really, really good on offense in this one, led by Trey, of course. And the defensively, they, just, they, they did just enough. It wasn't pretty. The Hawks still have to be better than this defensively to get where they, get, to get where they have to go, where they want to go this season. But overall, they did enough and they managed to escape with the victory all right before we get to the player evaluation portion of this podcast a word from our sponsors on the show with somebody makes the models in the auto world these days it's now impossible basically for your, your local chain store to stock all the carbon trip that you could possibly need and even if they had them all do you really want to deal with the people behind the counter that ask you all these pointless questions and choose only the brand that they actually want to sell you from the warehouse Instead, you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, and that's a much better option. Why spend more for the same parts at a chain store or a dealership when or you order them at online at rockauto.com? Rockauto.com is a family business. They have been serving customers for more than 20 years at this point in time, and Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for each and every customer. They have absolutely everything that you could possibly need for your car or your truck, including brake parts tail lamps, motor oil, and even carpet. Check out the website right now at rockauto.com to see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, write locked on in the box that asks you how you heard about rockauto.com so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and we'll dive in now to the player evaluations. And if you hear some macro noise, my apologies, there's an alarm going off somewhere, but I aim to please and I'll get you the podcast as fast as possible. So hopefully that's not too distracting. I hope you don't, they don't even hear it at all. We'll see. But we'll uh, keep going here. Uh, on the player side, lots of positives. That's obviously not a huge surprise when you factor in what transpired here, but a lot of positives in this one. I thought Lou Williams was just okay. Uh, I think he had more energy than usual. He hasn't played a ton recently, and it was. I think he looked like himself for the most part. just didn't have, didn't have a shot making. Only three points on five shooting possessions for Lou, but uh, he was not too, too bad. DeLon Wright was on the floor for some of the bad runs by um, Chicago, but I thought he was okay um, individually, four points, two assists, a steal, three rebounds, uh, did some DeLon Wright stuff. Gorgie Jang uh, defensively was not particularly good, but made the two shots from three in the first half, had two two nice assists. Um, Obviously not the greatest long-term fit um, between him and Gallo in that front court, but it worked out okay enough. uh, Although the Hawks were minus 13 when Gorgie played in the game, so not great necessarily. Um, The star off the bench was Bogdanovich, as it's been for a while now. I keep saying this, but it's been like five-plus weeks that he returned. He's been really, really good in that sample size. We had 20 points on 16 shot attempts, 16 shooting possession, I should say, in this game. 5-13 of from the floor, 4-10 of from three. I love him taking 10 three-point attempts. Got to the line for six attempts as well. Had two blocks, had two assists, four rebounds. He was the secondary playmaker for the Hawks in this game. The two big shots late. And uh, lots of positives for Bogey. He's been really good recently. It's been a nice key for the Hawks, winning more than they lose in the last uh, you know month and a half or so. To the starters, and a lot of positives here as well. The one guy who I would say was not a huge, huge plus was Gallinari. But he was okay. 11 points, five rebounds. Um, at least took some usage when the bench unit was on the floor. And that was good to see from him. But the other, the other four guys were all, I think, above average to even better than that. So, DeAndre Hunter, I thought was really, really bad on Tuesday and said as much. But he was good and a positive factor in this game. That was great to see him sort of bounce back. He was more aggressive on offense, taking the ball to the rim. That was good to see. He took nine two point attempts, was five of nine on those. Two of four from three. Um, did have the two miss free throws late in the game, and that, that didn't really burn them too much. And then defensively, he did his job. He was in DeRozan's face the whole game. He didn't like he, he didn't just like shut him down or anything like that. But I think he did a good job on DeRozan, and uh, it was a plus night from DeAndre that he definitely needed. He's been shaky for a while now. But he sort of broke out of, that, broke out of that stuff a little bit in this one, which the Hawks definitely needed to have happen. Uh, Herter, I thought, was quite good as well. Plus 22, 17 points, two assists, steal, and a block. Um, 7 from the floor, two six from three. Another guy who, who played good defense in this one. He was good on Levine. He was active, making rotations. Um, you know, not, not a shutdown guy by any means, but I thought it was a good night for him overall, both of the floor. He was aggressive and hunting his own shot more than usual. That's good to see from him. I thought he played well. Uh, Capella. Was excellent, I thought. 12 points, 11 rebounds, had three assists, no turnovers, um, plus 19, only had two fouls, made all five shots in the floor, made both, both free throw attempts in this game. Just a, uh, obviously, a super low usage game on offense, but didn't need to be anything more than that. He finished effectively in the round of round. He was ducking everything, trying to be attack in attack mode. He outplayed Vucevic. You know, Vuce had some nice moments in the first half, but Capella was much better in the second half than Vucevic was. And I kind of had to laugh down the stretch. The Bulls kind of ran a straight post up. Vucevic with like five minutes to go against Capella. And there was just no way that was going to work. And Capella just stonewalled him in the way that he can. He was quite good in this one. Uh, and uh, you know, not a huge surprise. He's been really good for a while, actually, in my opinion. But we'll leave that there. So, last thing. Troy Young was fantastic. 39 points, 13 assists. That speaks for itself. But he it was very efficient as well. Uh, only four of nine on twos, but seven of nine from three. And ten of ten from the free throw line. That is very, very solid. Uh, he had one of his worst games of the season against Chicago uh, about a week plus ago after the break. Uh, and he obviously had that in his mind. He mentioned it after the game. Uh, it was not a moment that I was too worried about because Trey is obviously a superstar, but he hit multiple superstar shots in this one. Put the game away, put it on his back at times. Uh, you could certainly say there was a little bit too much ISO ball at times, but when he's cooking like that, you can't really complain too much about that. And a you know, seven to nine from three, he was dialed in and uh, had the whole thing going. In this one, Uh, and obviously he is, uh, you know, there's some moon in the stars and that worked out very well for them in this game. So from here, uh, the standings, the Hawks are tied now with the Hornets for ninth in the East. That's positive development overall, but the big swing in their favor was a one game jump against Brooklyn. Brooklyn is now only one game ahead of Charlotte and Atlanta for the eighth spot because the Nets lost on Thursday. Now, I will say the Nets... Did get Kevin Durant back on Thursday, which is a little bit worrisome for the Hawks because um, in my mind, the Nets are better than the Hawks. If they had Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is now back and playing. Uh, I know they lost tonight, but it was against the Heat, and the Heat are very good. So uh, I would imagine and certainly give the Nets the favored status in that head-to-head, given that they have a game lead on the Hawks and they had Kevin Durant back. But they're only one game ahead, one game back of the Nets at this stage, and that is a very good sign. Even If you want to dream even bigger than that, They're four behind Toronto, as we speak, and they're six behind Cleveland, who has now fallen to sixth in the Eastern Conference. Um, Obviously, with a short period of time, only 20 games left, the Hawks would probably have to go something absurd to get get actually into that sixth spot especially, but even in the seventh spot, being that they're four games behind Toronto. But it's doable if they have a big run to end the season. But even if you want to just avoid that 9-10 matchup, that's now one game away and much more attainable than it was even a couple of days ago. From here, the Hawks have a very interesting challenge on a Friday. So they play Washington on the road. I've been pretty candid recently on podcasts with Ben Ladner and elsewhere. Um, The Wizards are not very good. (laughs) They had a nice start to the season, probably overachieving a little bit, but they've been pretty bad for a while. Uh, But they are the closest team to the Hawks in the standings uh, behind them. They're only a game and a half behind the Hawks, and they're in 11th place. So on paper, it's a road game. Nothing is assured on the road but I have to just mention this because it's, I'm sort of uh, it's my brand. This is an exceptionally difficult schedule spot for the Hawks on Friday. It's about as big of a disparity in schedule strength slash, you know, favoritism as you can see in the NBA. Um, So on the Washington side, they had two days off. They've only, they, they played on Tuesday at home. They did not play Wednesday. They did not play Thursday. So they've been at home since that game, no travel, two days off. And they play at home again on Friday. So two full days off, no travel. The Hawks have to travel after the game tonight on a back-to-back. Plus, their injury concerns with Trey. Uh, obviously, he was great in this game, but he acknowledged that his ankle is still hurting him. You have John Collins in limbo. You have the Wu in limbo. Uh, the Wizards did already rule out Beal and Porzingis for the game on Friday. They had to actually put out an injury report early because they did not play today. But you know, the Hawks are the better team in my mind. They'll be if it was an, on a neutral court. Uh, with neutral rest, the Hawks would certainly be favoring the game. No question about that. But this is one of those spots that people in the league will always point to as being like almost punitive against the Hawks. They can obviously win it, they are the better team. But uh, it's one of those games you just have to circle in terms of like there's some difficulty to navigating this one on the road, short rest, et cetera. So we'll see. I'll be interested to see how they respond, how Trey's ankle responds, if Collins can maybe get a little bit closer to playing. Can Lou play a back to back after missing some time? some real questions about the, about the rotation and who's available, but we, we won't know the injury report until midday on Friday. So nothing, that will not, not be covered on this podcast, but just keep that in mind. I, I understand the Hawks are better than the wizards, but it's a road game. Number one, rest stuff. Number two, tough spot injuries, etc. So nothing's assured. But uh, again, I want to just emphasize that Washington does not have Beal or Brzingis. So that's probably a little bit favorable in there. And on don't want to you want to find something to be positive about uh, in this one. So, I've said a lot about this game and about tomorrow's game, but with this win, the Hawks are now twenty-nine and thirty-one. Uh, Twenty games to go, a nice round number. The rest of the way, um, they're going to have to do better than this. You know, through sixty-two games, they're still they're still under five hundred, but they are nineteen and thirteen at home. They have nine. They have nine more home games. Um, they, but they have uh, what is it? Yeah, eleven on the road. So they are going to have to be better on the road than they've been so far. Home games are uh, interesting enough. But uh, you know some challenges lie ahead. But if you want to just focus on the night, I know Hawks fans definitely listen to this podcast and consume content more when the team wins. And it was a fun one, I have to say. As a sort of a last point on this podcast, the energy in the arena on Thursday was excellent. It was popping down the stretch. Obviously, it's a great game that always helps. But um, you know, this is this is a this is a city. It was actually there's a piece by uh, Alex Kennedy on basketball. Um, I think it was Basketball News, something like that, today on Thursday. Noting that Atlanta is once again in the top ten markets in the NBA for national TV games—not even just the local TV market, but the national TV games. Like whenever there's a game on TNT, ABC, ESPN, Atlanta's a top ten market for that for that consumption. And I've said this forever, but if you're a new listening, you i have heard me say it before. Atlanta is an NBA town. It has not always been a Hawks town. It's been more of a Hawks town recently because of last year, because of Trey Young. But it's a reminder that this is a city that, that enjoys basketball. If the Hawks put a product out there that's not so frustrating, maybe it'll be, be a little bit more on board with that. But a fun night at the office for the Hawks between the win and Trey's heroics, et cetera. Good to have a superstar on your side, that's for sure. And we'll, we'll touch on much more um, on tomorrow's podcast because we'll have a podcast as always after the game, uh, Hawks Wizards. I will say if you're a new listener, I with only a few exceptions per season when I, when I just cannot do it for whatever reason via travel. I will almost always have a podcast after after every game. That would definitely be the case on Friday. Uh, Please subscribe to the show. If you uh, have not already done that, I definitely encourage you to do so. If you already have, thank you very, very much for that. And one more plea to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I've been, uh, I guess I've said this out loud a couple couple different times, but my goal for the YouTube channel is to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the season. We are on our way, but we cannot do it without you. So please, please, please go ahead and do that. It takes just two seconds. Even if you're not going to follow up and watch a ton on YouTube, it's a very easy thing to do to subscribe and also to, to help the show out. And if you're more of an audio person, leave five-star feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, where or you'd like to listen to, to shows, ratings, reviews, all that stuff is very, very helpful as well. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you would like to, at BT Roland. Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody, and we'll see you after the game on Friday.